Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast, and this week we're talking about San Diego Comic-Con 2017. Nuff said. And here we are at the MCU Exchange Podcast. We are glad to have you back because this is a pack-filled show with all our San Diego Comic-Con news. We have a full panel. We have me and Adam and and Rhiannon, and Ryan, because we just needed more people to talk about all this stuff. So we're excited to have all you guys on, and I think uh, we're going to start with Rhiannon because she was the lucky one who got to be at San Diego this week for the Comic-Con. So uh, Rhiannon, go ahead and just start us off by just telling us uh, what's it like? What's it like to uh, be at the Comic-Con and be in these panels and all that kind of stuff? This has been amazing. It has been an amazing trip. I have gotten to see fantastic things. Um, the logistics of it is you just can't see everything. I mean, no matter how dedicated you are. Um, so I've had to pick and choose. I had to pick and choose very carefully. And the things I've been able to go to have been obviously the, the exhibit hall floor with all of the toys and pops and the giveaways and the Marvel displays and the Netflix display. Um, they have the Netflix experience here where I was able to go in. They have all of the Defenders costumes. They have Josie's bar set up. They have um, the stand-up cutouts. If you saw any of the pictures of the Defenders cosplay thing where they were with the stand-up cutouts, that is where that is. Um, and they have... Uh, so there's exhibit hall, the Netflix experience, um, the Netflix, ex there's the exhibit Netflix in the exhibit hall. Um, they just have you walk in and they have all of these TVs showing their different shows. And it is so defenders heavy. Like every time I turn around, I was just walking the exhibit hall floor with a friend of mine who has only made it down for today. And it's like, every time we turn around, we're like, there's the defenders. There's the defenders. They are everywhere here, you guys. And then of course there's the panels. And uh, I did not get like, you know, some press is really lucky and they get a pass to go to the panel so they don't have to wait in lines. I was not able to pull that off. So I had to literally leave the Inhumans panel to go get the wristband to camp out for Defenders. And then after Defenders, I just could not camp out another night and spend all day for the Marvel panel. Um, but instead, I got to be in the Marvel press room last night after the panel. So some of the stars came in there and chatted with all the press. And I just got to be in there and see it all. Um, Hemsworth came in. Chris Hemsworth came in and Chadwick Boseman uh, came right up. We didn't get to enter. I'm here. I, I got to do that shattering another press agency or another outlet. And they didn't get to interview either of them. The Bozeman got to interview the person right next to us. And we thought he was coming to us next. And then he got whisked away by security. And that was literally just like I was standing there. And I felt a breeze go past me. And I turned around. And it was it was Chadwick Bozeman. So uh, Tessa Thompson did come by and got to chat with her a little bit. Got to talk to... Um, Trying to remember, I'm getting... Because we got to do it for, for another non-MCU panel. A lot of the characters of Black Panther... Uh, came through so I mean it was Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok that came through but Hiddleston didn't end up coming in 
so some the biggest two names were Chris Hemsworth and um, Chadwick Boseman. So yeah, so it has been so exciting. Um, I, I'm just like in the groove now. I could just keep going on. I'll just move. I'll move right into the lawn outside of Hall H. I, I have my little camping spot laid out. Um, I'm all in. I really enjoyed the camping out experience. I mean, I think I think fans. Yeah, I, I know that sounds horrible, like the hang out for eight hours, you know, stand in line for eight hours. Um, yeah, the cool thing about camping out is you're with a bunch of people that are just as excited about this as you. So you're just spending hours and hours with other people that are really excited about these things. And then you go in and you sit and you're like friends with everybody that you're sitting around by the time you get there. And I mean, I feel like I've made a bunch of friends that I'll keep in touch with for a long time. Um and so that's really cool. Like I encourage the camping out, you know, the line experience, which everything about this is standing in line, um, except for how the bathrooms, the bathrooms have really short lines. <laughs> is that um, possibly because of your gender? Do you think there's anything involved in that? I mean, typically the women's bathrooms have longer lines. So see my wife, maybe. my wife has a joke that the only time she doesn't have to wait for the bathroom is when we go see Marvel movies on the opening night. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm seeing lots of women here. I, it hasn't felt like I was a minority. Yeah. Uh, but maybe, maybe I'm just not seeing it. But that's true. I didn't even think about that. Uh, the ladies' bathroom lines have been very short and fast moving. <laughs> so that has been it. I mean, Marvel keeps handing out new posters every time I walked by. I joked with my friend that I'm hanging out today that... Anytime she lets me you know, pick where we're going on the marble floor, I'm going to point her to, anywhere on the exhibition floor, I'm going to point her towards marble. Um, and she is all in. She's, she's helping me accumulate as many posters as I can. And um, yeah, do you guys have any questions? I don't know. Do you guys have questions? No, it sounds awesome. I've been living vicariously through you all weekend, Rhiannon. <laughs> Just keeping up on Twitter and Facebook. I've been trying to share it with everybody. And of course, that Defenders panel was just amazing. Um, in, order, in order to get to the Defenders panel, I had to sit through... I mean, oh, poor me, but I, I had to be there for Game of Thrones, Fear the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead. Um, there was Twin Peaks, Preacher, and then The Defenders. And I can say without a doubt, like, The Defenders panel was a million times better than any of those. I mean, obviously, if you're a big fan of a show, like, seeing the stars up there is a big deal, but... The, the chemistry, the show they put on, everything they did was just so much more exciting. Uh, now, are you planning on staying with us for a few minutes here, or do you got to go now? I can stay. Okay. Well, let's try to at least get to the Defenders panel, um, just so okay. that we can we can talk about that. So. Yeah. And Adam and uh, Ryan, we promise we'll let you guys talk too. Okay. So. No worries. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to try, if you're used to our podcast, then you'll know that we usually do news and then something in the middle about TV and then a main conversation. This week, it is all um, it's all going to be San Diego Comic-Con news. And we're just going to go chronologically through the week 
and the things that happened and um, kind of lead you through. So we're going to start with uh, talking about Thursday and the Inhumans and then Friday and the Defenders and then Saturday with Marvel Films. Um, so let's start out with Inhumans. Uh, that tra- um, trailer came out and the panel was Thursday evening. They really pushed to have the entire cast there to talk about the show. And I think they really pushed the social media presence uh, for it. Um, Adam, Ryan, I think we were here to talk about the trailer a couple weeks ago that we got. Uh, how are you guys feeling now about the trailer that dropped this week? Does it make you feel better about this show? Uh, yeah. Um, seeing it, it just looks a lot, I'm not sure, it looks better. I don't want to say cleaner or something, you know. I just thought the second go-around, uh, everything looked a lot more refined. Um, you know, I, I have talked about how it was hard to get excited to it. It did pique my interest, uh, quite a bit after seeing it, um, you know, we finally saw Medusa, and Medusa actually spoke. Um, more Lockjaw, more Karnak, more action. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think it was too bad. Yeah, I'm with Adam. Um, I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not, like, massively excited about it, because I just, I wasn't a massive Inhumans fan growing up. But, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, all the shots look a lot more refined. It looks like the CGs kind of honed in a little more. I mean, it better be if they're going to, you know, release it within, like, I mean, a little over a month, but I mean, yeah, it looked better. The shots were, were definitely cleaner. Um, and again, seeing Medusa's hair start to, you know, show what it can do was, was definitely reassuring because, you know, Scott Buck and groundedness and such, but I mean, I think it looks pretty cool. I think it, it looks like they're definitely going for a, a, de- a definitely a, a more stylized look. I mean, between Lockjaw's teleportation effect and how Medusa's hair looks, but I mean, it's really, uh, I don't know, comic booky for lack of a better term. So, I mean, it's looking better. So, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen a couple comments that said, I felt like this looked like a cartoon. And I think that's somewhat intentional. Like, oh, I yeah. think they're going for a particular style. And this is what fits that. And yeah, it feels a little bit like a cartoon if you want to sort of be that way about it. But I think, I think it's interesting. I think it's good for these things to have a different visual look than maybe what other things look like. I mean, at this point, with so many properties within the MCU, you have to do that in order to stand out. I mean, that's what made Guardians, well, part of what made Guardians so successful, so more power to them. Now, Rhiannon, you talked a little bit about how the Inhumans panel, which you were in a little bit, uh, felt kind of different. Even Jeff Loeb felt different than the Defenders panel. Do you want to just speak to that real quick? Yeah, so I was only there for the first 15, 20 minutes. I didn't even get to the the trailer. Um, Jeff Lip came out wearing the Medusa wig (laughs) and just immediately started with, hey, guys, I don't think it looks that bad. (laughs) Um, And, you know, to me, that says a lot. I mean, they're listening. They know what we're saying. I mean, maybe they're listening to this podcast. Jeff, if you're listening to this podcast. Oh, we know. We love you. I want a Netflix schedule. Um, Now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I almost shouted that to him at the Defenders panel. Um, And that's, that's, you know, he came off very defensive. And, you know, he was pushing it. But it wasn't like, you know, you could tell his attitude... And I didn't notice it as much. I was just like, oh, Jeff Loeb is a little bit more cranky than I remember him being. 
it was just like, oh, you know, like I remember him being a much more charismatic moderator because I've been to a couple of his panels at this point. And it wasn't until Defenders when he came out and he was just like, I am so excited for this, you guys. Like just glowing, completely different personality. So I, that concerns me because like, he's the biggest fanboy of us all. And for him to be defensive like that concerns me. But um, it was a different personality at the two panels. And I, I mean, I seriously, I stayed until I heard everybody say grounded, grounded, grounded. And then I was like, I need my wristband. (laughs) 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 Like, I do not want to hear the word grounded from anybody ever again. Yeah, and I think Scott Buck was one of them, wasn't he? Where he was, like, still on that train, and it's like, how do you not know to shut up? Yeah, yeah. And how's that working for him? (laughs) The thing that was a little concerning to me was how much they were pushing the Lockjaw toys. Now, I think they're cool. I want a Lockjaw, you know, stuff for my, my office. But, like... It almost felt like Marvel saw how things are going with this show. And so they're like, well, we better sell some merch at the least, you know? And so it was like, lockjaw, lockjaw, hey. Like, even social media, every picture had that dog in them. And it just felt really pushed, you know? Scroll through my Twitter feed, you'll see a picture of me with the life-size lockjaw plushie. And I mean, they're selling that thing for 50 bucks, the little one that they were handing out to everybody. Good grief. I was really hoping everybody in the audience was going to get one. That was the main reason I stayed in the panel as long as I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they they definitely think lockjaw is the selling point on this. Yeah, it it makes sense. I mean, he is what people liked a lot in the trailer, so... Let's talk about the Medusa effect real quick. I mean, Ryan, you work with uh, film a little bit and have some thoughts on VFX and stuff. Uh, do you like Medusa's hair? Did you feel like they, they knocked that out okay? I think from what we've seen, yeah, so far it looks it looks pretty good to me. I know a lot of people, I mean, like, you know, and if you're, if it's people who love the material are going to be a little more overprotective, so I get that. So if you disagree with me, then that's awesome because it just means you love the characters. But, I mean, I thought it looked fine. Uh, I think, honestly, I mean, it was a quick second, and we kind of saw her hair start to stand up a little bit, and I, you know, I think that um, that's not necessarily because they're not done with the VFX on it. I think that's because they're intentionally holding stuff back. Um, So I think that we're definitely going to see her do some pretty awesome stuff with it. But, um, you know, unless something's just really wrong um, and they're, like, stupid behind... uh, then they're they're definitely done with it, or they're, they're at least super close to finishing it. So I'm betting that we're going to see her do a lot of cool stuff with that, um, and that will probably be another one of the main highlights for that. I mean, same with with Black Bolt as well. Um, I think we'll probably see him do lots of stuff with uh, with his voice. So, yeah, yeah. I think the only thing I would caution is we did see like paparazzi photos of her with her head shaved. And I am still suspicious that Maximus is going to shave her head to save them the VFX cost for most of the episodes after the IMAX stuff. Maybe that's just me being cynical, but we saw those photos of her with a shaved head, you know, taken in Hawaii. And I'm betting, particularly because it's in the Jenkins and Lee run, and Jenkins and Lee seems to have had a lot of effect on what they're doing here. 
it would not surprise me if uh, her hair is going away for at least three or four episodes. No, seriously, I'm, I'm producing a music video right now for a local band, and uh, I would kill to, you know, you know, save my budget in any way I can. So it gives you like a totally new perspective on that. So I get it. I'm not saying it's not disappointing, but I get it. And I wouldn't yeah. kill somebody because somebody's going to be like, <laughs> oh, Ryan would kill somebody. I'm not going to kill anybody, but you know what I mean. Jeez. <laughs> Breaking. Ryan's a murderer. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on human, Inhumans before we move along? Did the trailer music work for you guys? I liked it. Yeah. I, I, I was really on the fence. Like, I didn't dislike it, but I was trying to figure out whether or not I thought it was cool. So... I want to see, I know what your, your thoughts on it were on that. So I had two thoughts. The first is there's this scene, which I think is one of the best shots they've given us where Maximus is walking in a tunnel. I'm guessing where the alpha primitives are or whatever. And like his steps were almost in sync with like the beat of that music. And I felt like it had a real kind of swagger to it, which I thought was good. Um, and also it just got stuck in my head. Uh, that happened while we were still um, at the hospital. My wife had a baby this week. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. What nice throwaway there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> um, I walked, wake, woke up the next morning, or re-woke up from two hours before, and I'm kind of like, in my head, I'm humming uh, that song. And my wife's like, oh, the Inhumans trailer really sticking to you, huh? <laughs> you know, like it was, it was stuck in there. So <laughs> I love that. That's like a, like a big point of discussion for you and your wife, like after having a baby and you're still talking about Inhumans. I think that's awesome. <laughs> we actually were watching Inhumans or not Inhumans. Uh, we're watching Iron Fist in the hospital because we've been doing the rewatch of all the <laughs> Defender shows. That's great. And if you want to hate Scott Buck, um, try to watch Iron Fist in a hospital room when you're already sleep deprived and not be bored. We were just like, I hate this show so much. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It is not holding up on second watch real well for me. So, but there's hope for season two. Yes. And that's a good segue. Let's go to Friday. The panel that Rhiannon was at the sort of reason she was at San Diego comic-con uh, first up, we got a season two renewal of Iron Fist, and it was revealed the next day that Scott Buck will not be doing the second season as a showrunner. Uh, Adam, Rhiannon, just feel free to share your joy that we're getting more Iron Fist. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm excited that he's getting another chance. Absolutely. I mean, I've been, I've been saying, like, I think, I think he needs the chance of a second season. This okay. is why you brought me on this week, isn't it, Caleb? So I can agree with you. <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> we'll get to that in the mailbag, Ryan. We have people literally begging for you to put on a tirade about Iron Fist. So we'll, we'll do that we'll after I go back bit. to the con. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, you mentioned, Rhiannon, that it's obvious that they're listening to criticism. Uh, Sorinda Swan actually did a post on Twitter where it was like an open letter from Medusa's wig to like people that was like, give me a break. I'm sorry. I'm just who I am, you know? Um, so I think they're paying attention. And when we heard that there was a second season and there was no showrunner, and then we got a different showrunner the next day, all of that was Marvel's way of saying, we know you hate Scott Buck. We're not going to publicly embarrass him. But no, we're not going to put him back on this property, right? Like, 
They were very clearly responding to us by the way they Absolutely. handled the showrunner, weren't they? The official line, by the way, is Scott Buck is too busy with Inhuman. Mm-hmm. Just for the record. Well, let's just hope when Inhuman Season 2 comes out that he'll be too busy with something else. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah, the F-22 incident in Iron Man was a training <laughs> exercise. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's going to be new. Um, do we know anything about this showrunner? Uh, he's done some uh, Sleepy Hollow, I believe, so it's kind of mystical in this sense. Um, he wrote Electra way back when or he was a co-writer he was some form of writer for Electra. hopefully he's repented of his uh, ways then i was about to say that's a little yeah. concerning <laughs> <laughs> but um besides that no i think his most recent things sleepy hollow um i have never watched sleepy hollow um so i guess i can't talk to the quality of it or, or anything like that you know i think i'm just most excited for uh uh, new chance, a new opportunity. You know, it's kind of thrilling to, uh, um, you know, I, I just don't want to see any more. I tweeted about this. I don't want to see any more damn articles with grounded or gritty in the headline, you know? G- give us a damn dragon. That's all I want. <laughs> that should be a hashtag. Give us a damn dragon, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> might as well. Community had six evens in a movie. We've got Give Us a Damn Dragon. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Rhiannon, while we still have you with us, let's talk about Punisher. Um, you actually saw the footage. Oh, my God. Yeah. We didn't. Um, just tell us how you're feeling about <laughs> Punisher. This is one of those where they don't share the footage. It's hard for those of us at home to get as excited. So what did you see and what did you think? Okay, so... Um... The footage started with Frank. It was a really interesting little montage with Frank on the guitar. And it was Frank playing like an acoustic guitar, like sad, slow acoustic guitar. And it was him with his daughter there with him, like in his arms playing the guitar. And then it would flash over to Frank with no daughter. And then it would flash to him with the daughter. And it was just gut-wrenching and then it jumped to and I'm sure I, I know you guys said that you had somebody with a breakdown because I knew there were there was press in there that had laptops in front of them to write all this as quickly as they could I was just stuck trying to remember it but it jumped to montages and basically you get Frank in different locations on a mission killing people and I mean of course it's fantastic um, it it, it shows his full capabilities of killing people from the the coolest thing was like it gives you location markers and they're in Juarez, Mexico and there's a guy there and you know you start to see the little you know like through the through the through the eye of the gun and you know of course you know this guy's a goner they shoot him and they start panning back to where Frank is and then when they finally get to him, they show the location placard of El Paso, Texas. <laughs> That's cool. So it's just, you know, like, he's so good with a shot that he can do it from this far away. And then, you know, there's, like, another scene of him strangling a guy in a restroom. And the guy goes through, you know, like, the stuff that you heard in Daredevil as far as, like, you've already killed these guys. You've already killed these guys. You've gotten the dogs of hell. You've gotten 
the Irish kit, the kitchen Irish. You've, you know, it lists all the folks that we know that Frank's been after. And he ends up strangling the guy in the bathroom. And they do that. And I feel like this has been done before where, you know, there's a person in there washing hands and they hear the person suffocating. And so they assume that somebody's having sex in the bathroom. Um, but, and, and that was pretty much it. Like, I, I mean, I mean, I believe there were other details, but it was just fully like the whole audience gasped when they showed the El Paso location tag. Um, you know, everybody laughed when there was the, you know, hey guys, get a room. And I mean, I was nearly in tears at that very beginning scene with his daughter because it was just so well put together. It gives me a lot of hope for this series. I'm really excited about it. Uh, now, Rhiannon, I'm curious, uh, was there much Karen Page? In, was there any Karen Page in the footage you saw from pa- Punisher? Honestly, I don't remember. If there was, it wasn't one of the things that really hit me home. I, I'm remembering the Karen Page from the Defenders trailer, but I'm not remembering it from Punisher, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there. Because I was just feeling with social media, they're kind of pushing her role in the show a bit. Like, I just felt like maybe it's just that her and John are good buddies, but I felt like I saw a lot of photos of the two of them, you know, together on, on Twitter or whatever this week. So, yeah, and I think that's part of just it's a known entity. You know, everybody knows her. Right. And they know him. And, you know, like Ben Barnes might be awesome, but folks don't know and love him yet. Yeah. Um, I'm also, from what you're saying, I'm hearing that uh, this is not going to be a New York centric show for Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously uh, he's going to move around. I mean, it might land in New York, but it's going to have some other stuff. Yeah. Adam, Ryan, did you guys have any Punisher thoughts from what you heard or anything that you wanted to ask Rhiannon about it? Punisher kills everyone. <laughs> you, you think you think Punisher ought to be the Deadpool of the MCU? Just We should have like a, a show called Punisher Kills the MCU? <laughs> Might yeah. as well. Um, so, I mean, it sounds good. Um, I was never a massive Punisher fan, but I'm not into, like, anti-heroes as much, and that's fine. That's just weird, um, because most people do. But my only concern, um, that I'm hearing about the show so far, I think it's great that they're moving outside of New York City, because, you know, the the movies have started to do that as well over the past couple years, and I think it's good that the, uh, Netflix side of things is, is starting to skew away, because it can kind of get a little old. Um, if they're only in the same city, but I just hope that they can um, continue to make an interesting dynamic with Frank after his daughter's death. Does that make sense? Because like, it it was really, it, I mean, it really hit home. I I teared up a little bit during his his speech in like I think it was episode four, season two yeah. of Daredevil. But I hope I my only hope for this is that they don't like overdo it and that it doesn't start to become a rehash and that they can do something interesting with this character. I mean, does that sound crazy? No, I'm with you. I, I feel that that and the other thing I saw all, you know, there's, there's a big task coming forward, both with Punisher and the defenders of introducing these characters to people that may not have seen the other series, but making it entertaining for those of us that have. And, you know, I, I mean, you can see this one little, mo- this, little clip that we saw and even if you've never seen punisher you know you know you know he has he probably lost a daughter you know he's a killer you know he has a sense of humor of 
almost. And and you feel like you know the character. So I think they're going to do a good job of catching people up without being too redundant and in your face about it. Uh, Rhiannon, let me ask you. We saw some tweets that suggested he was going to be in The Defenders. And then we saw some tweets that suggested that maybe it's just going to be a trailer at, like, the tag of Defenders. Uh, I know. Do you remember any of this? I know it's a bit of a, a blur to some degree. No, I've been thinking about this a lot because everybody kept asking me about it. So here's the thing. Like, there's the whole situation where John Bernthal came out, and I don't remember the exact order everything happened. I could go back to the, uh, the MCU Exchange Twitter feed and see, but there was some point early in the panel, and Jeff Loeb was talking about Punisher, and Comic-Con International came out and gave Jeff Loeb an ink pot award and basically screwed up his rhythm. You know, like he had a plan and he was coming out and he was on it. And then they gave him an emotional gut punch and he was just there. And so I feel like everything he was saying kind of got mixed up and he was talking about Punisher and then moved right into Defenders. And he did at some point say, you know, you need to stay to the end to see something. He definitely said, you know, you need to stay for after credits. And he was talking about Punisher, but I did not hear Punisher with the Independents at all. I'm not saying it wasn't said, but I did not hear that. Based on the first episode that you saw, which we're getting into, does it seem like he'd fit in that show at all? Or does that seem a bit of a, a kind no. of an odd pairing? Yeah. No, from the first episode, they do not need Punisher. Okay. That's good. All though. Right. That's good. I mean, I don't see any need for Punisher in this Yeah, story. yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, it, like, he'll have his chance to shine, I think, and I think he's definitely best suited to be on his own. Yeah. All right, Rhiannon, go ahead. Uh, let the bragging commence. <laughs> Tell us about what that first episode was like. I know you've been good on the website. You don't want to spoil anything, but just, you know, give us whatever yeah. you want to give us about that first episode. Well, and I did write up a non-spoiler review of the episode that hopefully we'll publish before this comes out. Um, and there's a couple of clips oh, out there. Out. Okay, it's out. And there's yeah. a couple of clips out there that um, that are fantastic that you guys can catch up on. Uh, the one being Matt and the Confessional, which which is a part of my thing. I feel uh, this this first episode is your introduction to the Defenders. And, you know, we I've been saying this before. We follow everything. We're following all of these characters. We know them inside and out. But there are plenty of people out there that don't. You know, they, they maybe love Jessica Jones or they love Luke Cage. But, you know, they, they haven't watched them all. This first episode does a fantastic job of introducing all of the characters and not making it redundant. You know, I never at once felt like, oh, God, this is just pointless exp exp exposition. Um, I never felt, but I mean, when you look at it, that scene with Father Lantum is exposition. It is Matt sitting there telling the world, you know, hey, I'm getting over the loss of somebody I loved. I've given up my superhero thing. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to move forward. And you have situations like that with all four of the characters where it's a way that seems organic to those that know those characters and know their story. It's something new. I mean, that scene with Father Lantum is the most pointless exhibition, exposition, sorry. I've been saying exhibition a lot. The most pointless exposition of the whole episode. I mean, the most like direct 
you know, like, hey, we just need a moment where he could sit here and catch the audience up on where he is. That's impressive because I, uh, I just watched the clip and did the write-up on that, and I was still captivated for, like, all 90 seconds that I was watching. Right. Well, and that's what, you know, when I was writing my review, I was like, oh, you know, they, they did this for all the characters except Matt Murdock. And I was like, no, like, Matt actually just, like, sits there and tells you, and you were captivated, and you didn't see that as exposition. But if you had never seen Daredevil, that gave you a lot of information. Right? Yeah. And so it was, you know, you have those moments. That, one, I mean, it, it it jumps from character to character, getting you caught up on them. The transitions were beautiful, very well done. And then it's the same thing where, like, you know, when you see Matt, there's hints of red. When you see Luke, there's hints of yellow. You know, Danny is Danny. Um, and he's doing his Danny things. Um, is he a little more likable, though? <laughs> like... I don't, you liked him in the first place. I but liked anyway. him. I liked him. Um, in this first episode, he is still season one Iron Fist Danny. How about that? Oh, I mean, okay. he's, he, he <laughs> just found out Khan Lund disappeared. He's on his mission to figure out why that happened. Um, and I don't feel like that's a spoiler. I feel like that's what we've been told this is going to be, or that's what I've been saying it's going to be. Yeah. Um and a lot of things about this episode is what I have been saying it needs to be. So I was excited about it. I, I just felt that they did a fabulous job with all of the exposition and they introduced Alexandra and, you know, obviously she's the one that they gave the least exposition about because she needs to be a mystery. Um, and they set things up. I mean, and it looks really, I'm in, obviously. They they created enough intrigue. I'm glad they stopped it. I mean, like, I was kind of glad the episode stopped where it was because it's not killing me to wait another month to see the next one. It's just, like, awesome. This is a fantastic hour-long teaser trailer. Yeah. Um, Do you think you're going to rewatch the, the first episode? episode when it drops or are you just going to go straight into episode two i think that'll just depend on how much time i have that day if Good i point. if i have plenty if i if i'm off work for some reason or if i can get the day off work i will probably rewatch it because i feel like there's a lot of information there that i'd like to see again that i'd like to be fresh adam we saw clips of uh alexandra and gao together uh do you like that clip are you getting pretty excited about some more madam gao Heck yeah. I, she's totally the crane mother, so I would guess she gets outed sometime during this show. One can hope. I think so. Uh, Rhiannon, in the episode, Alexandra, did you feel like you got a sense of who she is? I know you don't want to spoil anything. I mean, is the first episode give us much, or is it still a total mystery? I still have no clue. I mean, I know as much as what you saw in that clip with Gal, really. That okay. I mean, there's a little bit more that you know about her. You know a little bit about why she's going to Gal. I mean, you know a little bit about why she's needing to change the timeline. But that's it. Yeah, she... I mean, and it was marvelous. I mean, like, I, I was watching the first scene and I was like, oh my god, it's going to be this, or it's going to be this, or it's going to be this, or it's going to be this. And I still have no idea. I tried to talk somebody into letting me to spoil everything with them so that I could you know, theorize about it. But so far, nobody wants all the spoilers. So if any of you guys want all the spoilers so that we can theorize about it, we can do it offline. 
uh, Adam, Ryan, let me ask you guys. You've seen the trailer and probably maybe rewatched it more than Rhiannon since she's been a little busy. Um, I haven't rewatched it. Yeah. So what did you guys think of the trailer? Do you have any just thoughts about the trailer generally? I mean, other than the fact that I'm still pumped. I mean, it gave us a little bit more. Um, and I definitely think that Sigourney Weaver is just going to be so cool in this role. I mean, already she just has like a really commanding presence. I mean, when you see her on screen, obviously because she's Sigourney Weaver, but like between the trailer and the uh, and the and the dialogue that we kind of got the voiceover from her uh, during that, uh, paired with that little scene that we saw with Madame Gao. Like, when Madame Gao is on screen with Daredevil, and I'm talking, like, in the suit, red suit Daredevil, you know, in that one scene in uh, in season two when he's interrogating her, like, you still feel like Madame Gao is kind of in charge and that Matt's just kind of, you know, whatever she gives him in the interrogation is, like, totally intentional and that she's kind of in charge. So seeing her intimidated and, and kind of flustered by Alexandra I thought was super cool. Um, so I'm just looking forward to seeing Sigourney Weaver. I mean, because we're all, I mean, we know it's going to be focused on the heroes. I mean, this is the, the MCU, which they've said that that's kind of their MO, but I'm just really looking forward to seeing the villains. So Absolutely. Ryan did say a really good point. You know, every time we've seen Gal so far, uh, you know, she's always in charge. So it's kind of unique to see her not or at least a little hesitant at first you know so that's going to be a really cool dynamic but other than that i uh lol that the uh chinese restaurant scene i thought that was pretty damn goofy um but besides that i'm just i'm just really excited yeah see i didn't even think that was out of place either like i think that they're they're kind of embracing the fact that this is going to be i mean there's inevitably going to be some conflict with these characters that is going to just incite funny moments and that's cool that they're embracing that and not shying away from it because you know i like the 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 more realistic tone i'm not going to say the other word because i'm not um (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you a lot but um and i appreciate that but i like that they're kind of embracing at this point that like everyone's kind of meeting each other for the first time and it's kind of like it gives me avengers vibes i mean with the fact that i'm excited about seeing the team ups for the first time and watching the trailers, it just is kind of giving me those vibes, and so that comedy is is welcome in my eyes. I was thinking that uh, it's gonna have sort of that odd couple quality to it because these characters are so different. Like it would be almost weird if there wasn't some kind of humor and hijinks, you know. So that makes a ton of sense to me. Matt and Jessica, though, that was the best of all that. I mean, and I feel like it's it's kind of sad because I really feel that like Luke Cage and uh, and and Danny should be the the best dynamic on the team but so far i just want gonna watching them for eight episodes go back and forth is just gonna be fantastic yeah absolutely i saw um on twitter that the line about the horns and the ears you know she says nice ears and he goes they're horns apparently that was totally ad-libbed <laughs> that was not in the script that was just Kristen ritter being hilarious that's so. great i've already seen memes about that so that's it's just there's there's more to come that just shows that there's more to come. I'm excited. Yeah, as I looked at it, I, I, Gal was the thing that stuck out to me too. You know, like uh, sometimes uh, in sports, like a team will beat another team by 20 points, but then that team that won will lose by 20 points to someone else. And you kind of like try to do the comparative thing. Like, does that mean that team's 40 points better than the first one? And like here, 
Kingpin is kind of afraid of Gao, you know? Oh, yeah. And we, we see in the trailer that Iron Fist is having a hard time fighting Gao, and we know Daredevil has kind of experienced her power. And so to know how powerful she is and then to see her grovel at Sigourney Weaver, it means Weaver's like two or three times a kingpin as far as intimidation. And that's just crazy, you know? Like, it's so exciting to see what that's going to look like. I think that's going to do it for Defenders. Um, on the podcast, you probably won't hear this, but Rhiannon is uh, gone for now. She had some more fun things to go do in San Diego, but we really appreciated her being with us. And that means it's time to jump into the Marvel Studios film stuff. Um, all right, so obviously at this point, we no longer have had any room, uh, any ears in the room, and so we're just going based on what we saw on Twitter and online and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Saturday was the big Marvel Studios panel, and I feel like it actually started a bit hotter than it ended. Uh, just because the stuff early on was stuff that we could experience the same as the audience, whereas some of the panels and clips later on, uh, obviously we don't have access to. Uh, we'll start with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, we got some major casting news. We got a uh, casting of a character called Ghost. We got Michelle Pfeiffer uh, as uh, Janet Van Dyne. We got Goliath being played by Lawrence Fishburne, um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Adam, I'm going to start with you. I think you may know uh, this character, Ghost. Uh, who is that? Do you know kind of who they are and what their importance is to the uh, the comics? That's that's the thing. So Ghost and this Sonny Birch cat are both very, very obscure. I mean, we're talking barely characters in the comics. Ghost is actually a... I'm not even sure if the character has a name name. Um, he's kind of... It's a he in the comics, and he's has tech stuff. Um, High-tech suits, weaponry, things like that. He originally... Him and uh, Birch are both actually um, part of the Iron Man mythos. Um, but Ghost can either transform himself or make himself invisible or something he's touching invisible, but not both. Um, so that's kind of who ghost is. And, um, I'm not sure how they're going to play that into Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, but I would guess a former adversary of, uh, Hank Pym or something, you know, since it's all pretty much tech based gear and armor and weapons and, Stuff of that nature. Oh, just a side note on Ghost, by the way. Um, he was also... I don't know if any of you guys watched this, but like right around the time that Iron Man came out, they had that CG animated Iron Man show when he was supposed to be like a teenager. Do you guys remember that? Uh-uh. I never heard of this. Okay, it was... It was it was terrible. It's Iron Man. It's called Iron Man Armored Adventures. If you wanted to just get pissed off, go look at the... Go watch the <laughs> theme song. On YouTube, anyway, but uh, Ghost was a character on that as well, and he was just kind of like an assassin that could like you know go through walls and go invisible and stuff like that. He worked for AIM, so I don't know if there's going to be any AIM tie-ins with that. I mean, it's he's a pretty minor character, but you know, so he he does. I thought I recognized him, and I was right, but I just wanted to add that in case anyone in the comments is like, "Oh yeah, well you didn't watch that show." I did. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um. I feel like it reminds me a little bit of Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Deadpool, right? Like, if we're going to do something, let's just do something really weird and random 
you know, and that we can play with and mess with and we're not going to make anybody upset. Uh, like, I think Ant-Man is the right place to put kind of a weird <laughs> character like that, you know? So um, that is really smaller news compared to Michelle Pfeiffer as uh, Wasp. We had heard a lot of rumors of Sharon Stone, and I think a lot of people wanted that to happen because of the, you know, like the basic instinct thing. Uh, are you guys happy with Michelle Pfeiffer in that in that role? I don't know. Call me crazy. I, I, I kind of wanted Catherine Zeta-Jones. I mean, yes, yeah, she's married to to Michael Douglas, but like I thought she would be cool in that role to see their their dynamic. But I mean, it's whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's almost exactly what I was gonna say. It's whatever. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I have an opinion. Regardless, it's not really Pfeiffer's not really one that instantly jumped uh, into my head. Um, but by any means, it's certainly not a bad cast. Yeah, I I kind of like what Marvel's doing though. Like with Michael Keaton and now her, kind of like. I don't know, there's kind of like a respect for previous comic movies to kind of bring some of these actors back and kind of give them chances for a second shot in the sort of comic book limelight. I don't know, there's just something about that that I find exciting. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Sigourney Weaver, even though that's more like the sci-fi spotlight, you know. Um, I just think it's cool. And also, I think Marvel deserves a little bit of credit for this. We live in a world where actresses struggle to find work once they hit 50, unless they're like Meryl Streep or Helen Mirren. And so I think it's really cool that Marvel has done a good job of finding some of these actresses who maybe a lot of the blockbusters aren't paying attention to anymore and finding roles that are appropriate for them. And I think that's enjoyable, you know? All right. uh, Let's talk about Lawrence Fishburne for just a second. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Goliath and not uh, Blue Marvel. Um, I mean, this is really cool, right? Like, Morpheus in the MCU yeah. <laughs> has to be a good thing. Absolutely. But he's Perry White, and he's the definitive Perry White, so why would they jump ship from DC to Marvel? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That is how forgettable I find uh, Batman <laughs> movies, or Superman movies. Yeah. <laughs> note, note the sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, somebody's going to say that, I'm sure. I don't, I, I don't know. Like, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. So I guess what I mean by that is, like, yeah. that, it's fine. Don't worry about it. He's a good actor. Enjoy it. Well, and we had always assumed that there was, like, non-compete clauses in these contracts. And then when Josh Brolin became Cable this spring, Kevin Feige was like, no, that's not a thing. We don't care. Like, people can be in both. And so this is just another, you know, we've seen it with Brolin, uh, you know, a little less so with Michael B. Jordan jumping from Fantastic Four over to Black Panther, but now this with Fishburne, it just suggests that these studios don't really hate each other, and they really don't mind if somebody can fit both movies in, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, like, I, that's, that's just the media trying to get people up in arms about stuff that doesn't matter, like, you know, the people assuming that just because people love Marvel that they're going to hate DC and, you know, Kevin Feige hates DC. It's like, come on, guys. It's not it's not that petty. I think it's also interesting for this film because, you know, several of these actors now are older actors. It seems to suggest to me that this is going to be a pretty Hank Pym-focused, like, original era Ant-Man. You know, like, it, they're not going young with it. It's not like we're going to see a lot more of Scott Lang. It almost feels like we're going to flashback a lot to talk more about Pim and his past. Does that make yeah. sense? That doesn't offend me at all. That's actually sounds better to me. <laughs> I'd rather see more Michael Douglas. 
Yeah, I'm curious to know. I mean, do you think it's going to be more flashback sequences, or do you think it's going to be mostly set in the present? Um, I guess I I, I don't know what to think most about it. Uh, Of course, we got the little very minor flashback bit in Ant-Man. So I'm just curious to see where they take this with casting... uh, most of Pim's cronies, you know, I'd almost like to see them do like parallel stories where like the first half hour or 45 minutes was, um, you know, like the modern Ant-Man and Wasp going through an adventure that parallels what the old Ant-Man and Wasp went through. And then they kind of bring the stories together in the middle by pulling Janet out of the, um, out of the microverse or whatever. I think that could be really kind of cool. So yeah, for sure. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Captain Marvel is going to be... This felt so weird when I typed this headline last night. Captain Marvel is going to be fighting scrolls in the 1990s. Um, did you guys see this coming at all? Like, what? How did you even process when we heard this news? You don't want to know how I process this news, because then I'm going to get on a tirade again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so... I heard, I heard that, and my initial reaction was, oh my gosh, that's cool, wait a second, Fox. And then I thought, oh my gosh, Fantastic Four. And then the, and then the realistic side of me was like, no, idiot, it's not going to happen, so we're just going to have scrolls. And then part of me was like, okay, cool, but I'd rather see it with Fantastic Four. So now I really don't know what to think, because I'm super excited about it, and they look beautiful. They look like they pulled them off the pages, but not a freaking Fantastic Four, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, if you're wondering at home how those contracts work and you have not, uh, I kind of forgot this and then uh, Jeremiah reminded me on the site. Basically, the scrolls are one of these a- alien races that's available to Marvel, but there are specific scrolls that they can't have. So they can have the scrolls, but they can't have the super scroll because obviously he has the powers of the Fantastic Four. Uh, in the same way, they're allowed to have the Watchers, but I don't think they're allowed to name drop Uatu as the Watcher. So that's kind of the deal going on. Adam, do you have thoughts on all this Captain Marvel stuff? Looks so damn cool. Um, the time frame, Nick Fury uh, with both eyes, uh, that's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't have any issues with uh, the stuff that surfaced. Her costume looks so f- Yeah, I think um, a lot of people are freaking out about like, well, how is she young in the 90s and then she's still a certain age by the time Avengers 4 comes? And I put this on Twitter today, like, have you not noticed that uh, Captain America has been 30 for 80 years? You know, like, there's comic book stuff that happens. I'm sure they'll figure that out just fine. We're not dealing with a Fox X-Men universe. You know, like, the continuity will be fixed up on that. Don't worry about it. Um, Let me ask this with the scrolls. Are you guys nervous about scrolls at all? Like, are you afraid they're going to do, like, a, you know rabbit out of the hat thing where we're going to suddenly discover that uh, Tony Stark has been a scroll for the entire history of the MCU or do you have any concerns on that way? Um, I guess not any major active concerns. You know, it's the thing that's probably going to be in the back of our heads for, you know, the (laughs) remainder of the MCU. You know, it's like, oh man, these shape shifting aliens are part of the existence now. Um, and they have been for every, technically every single movie that we've seen so far in every property. Um, I don't think they'd pull something like that. Um, 
but I guess now that scrolls are in the MCU, um, they can. As long as they like that. Does, I mean, yeah, none of this freaks me out. I, mean, I don't think they're going to do anything crazy with that. Um, the only thing that they definitely should do with scrolls is now explain that Trevor Slattery <laughs> was just some clown school dropout scroll that nobody likes and then well we talked about it on twitter last I'm, night the other thing we could do is make grant ward a scroll and bring the real grant ward back next season to uh, agents of shield of course <laughs> not even not Adam, even you, you know you'd it. love it it would yeah, make you yeah, so excited I'm, I'm, for him yep. to come back. <laughs> of course it would <laughs> no. i'd be thrilled <laughs> <laughs> scrolls make me nervous because i kind of hate the um I think the only show I liked it on was like Battlestar Galactica, this kind of thing where it's like, oh, we don't know who we could trust and it creates paranoia. And at any given moment, they can write themselves out of a plot corner by going, oh, it was a scroll the whole time. Like, I just don't I don't like those things. I don't particularly I don't enjoy it in the comics. The whole scroll invasion, I felt got tedious because you just don't know who you can trust. So that makes me a little nervous. I'll be pretty happy if they kind of keep them in space, you know? Yeah, I don't think they're going to use them to retcon anything or fix anything because, I mean, for the most part, thankfully, the MCU's been pretty tight continuity-wise. Um, and even with the Spider-Man Homecoming mix-up with the timelines and everything, I'm sure they're, you know, Agent M has said they've got it. So I don't assume they're going to do anything stupid crazy with it. All right, um, let's keep on moving. Uh, that brings us into Black Panther. I don't feel like there was too much for us at home to see from Black Panther. They showed a lot of um, clips, apparently. They showed us some of the beginning of the movie and uh, the James Bond casino kind of scene that they had. Um, do you guys, I mean, do you have any thoughts about Black Panther? I think we got a new poster. Anything from last night stick out to you about that movie? Uh, no, I guess uh, the poster's insanely cool. Um, they discussed some sort of... Um, new footage, the more casino scene stuff, and uh, Circus did uh, say he gets his arm back, um, so that's exciting to get confirmation on that, but outside of that, um, nothing really stood out. Yeah, the poster didn't look as CG'd as that one with him in the throne, but um, we'll, just have to, we'll just have to have a talk with these Marvel poster guys later. Yeah, generally I feel like I'm sure it was awesome for the people who are there and to see the cast all together and all that kind of stuff. I just don't feel like there's a lot of it for those of us that weren't there and couldn't see the footage. I did like seeing, um, I think it was Lapita Nyong'a who had put up a, like an Instagram video of them all walking in together. And it seems like that that cast is kind of a crew that enjoys hanging out with each other. And so I think that's always fun to watch. For sure. All right, Thor Ragnarok. We got a trailer. I cannot believe that after all this talking, we've just now got to it. Um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, we'll just be real generic. What'd you guys think of that trailer? What stuck out? Um, all that kind of stuff. Wow, man, it looks so cool. <laughs> I mean, everything about it, it's just so vibrant and colorful. And um, I think Valkyrie was walking down a bridge with fireworks in the background coming from a blown up spaceship or something like that. It just looks insane. Uh, we saw Banner. Um, we saw Fenris Wolf. We saw Surtur. Um, it was so cool. I, man, <laughs> my hype level is probably at 11 for Ragnarok. Um, 
this this trailer was just huge, awesome. I can't. I don't know how many times I've watched it already. Um, enough, um, but I'll probably watch it the remainder of the afternoon. But it was just so darn cool. My Hulk is like. I mean, obviously the whole thing looks awesome, but like what excited me most about this was seeing Hulk because um, this is like at the end of the trailer when when Hulk and Thor have that little banter about you know what kind of fire they're most like one that still shows that to me that Thor is still kind of childish in that sense that he has to kind of keep mentioning that like he is the mighty Thor which I think is fun to watch but like Hulk guys I mean he's talking which I feel like he should have been doing a long time ago uh, in the MCU because like the Incredible Hulk which a lot of people still don't really kind of consider like it's kind of feels separate from the MCU just because it's it's different they recast and such but like he said Hulk smash in that film at the end and that's all he said and then he said the puny god line in Avengers and then you know not much in Age of Ultron and to me he just always seemed like a more like a gorilla than anything else than he did like the Hulk from the comics but now he's like talking like the Hulk and he's standing up straight like the Hulk and I'm just super excited to see this version of Hulk now because he seems way more like the comics and that's awesome yeah did you guys feel like this uh, revealed too much? I saw a little bit of comments last night, like they felt like there was too many things in this trailer. But seem okay to you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, they mostly showed just all action for the most part. Um, I didn't really gather much from the plot or the timeline in it. You know, we... Um, yeah, it made me even kind of more confused about the timeline than I thought, you know, over the, the at least the timeline of this movie. Um, you know, we saw Thor and yeah. Chains, and we thought he would battle Surtur then, um, but then Hulk's battling him, and Hulk or Thor has long hair when he's in Chains, and so on and so forth. So just kind of a lot of questions about the, the yeah. timeline of the movie itself. Um but yeah, I don't think it revealed too much. Yeah, for people that have been worried about spoilers, we felt like from the toys we knew something about what's going to happen. But I feel like this trailer blew yeah. all that <laughs> stuff out of the water. And we really don't know anymore what's happening. Yeah, I mean, I see where people are coming from. You know, we're like, especially after the homecoming marketing, um, which I still do agree gave away a little too much about the plot structure but i agree with you guys i think the 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 way they've kind of cut the stuff has everyone kind of thrown for a loop and um what do i want another trailer no and will i watch a third trailer if it drops not unless somebody else can't cover the article so (laughs) um i'm i'm perfectly content with just with what we have because my interest is peaked, but you know, you still don't know who won the Hulk Thor fight. We've really only seen them jump at each other and Thor get hit into a wall. You know, so I'm down. I mean, I see, and I see where they're coming from, but if you're that nervous about, you know, everything getting spoiled in the trailer, then just don't watch the trailer. Well, you also just live in the wrong era. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you're that's right, going to yeah. happen nowadays. It's just not going to yeah. be there. So, so just don't get on the internet or don't watch the trailer or chill out yeah and the yeah. uh i mean there's enough footage in the two trailers they release now to certainly recut it and make all sorts of tv spots um 
I mean, with everything that they, especially included in this most recent one, they had Banner, they had Thor, they had Cape Blanchett, they had Heimdall even got, I think, what, Scourge was in there three, two or three times. Um, so I think there's plenty uh, that they can certainly rehash without having to introduce more uh, footage, hopefully. I thought this trailer was a much better Thor trailer. Mm-hmm. I think the last one almost felt like a Planet Hulk trailer yeah. a little bit. And so I think they did better about explaining some of the Ragnarok stuff. I think my only concern with all of this is Marvel seems to be doing stuff earlier and earlier. Like the Black Panther stuff, the first trailer came out early for that. And then this stuff that's come out, the Entertainment Weekly article, I mean, we've still got, uh, whatever, seven or eight months until that movie comes out. And so sometimes I worry they're backing it up. And that paints them into the corner of having to show more and more and more to fill out the time. But we'll see. To be honest, I'm not. I'm not gonna watch another Black Panther trailer if that drops either. I'm. I'm at this weird spot where I'm just okay with everything we've gotten, and that's enough to keep me keep me hyped about it. And you don't have to do this much stuff. I mean, uh, the Last Jedi has done very little by way of trailers, and I don't think it's gonna hurt its box office at all in December. If anything, I think people are more excited. Yeah, I don't think anything's going to hurt Last Jedi's box office. I mean, it's just... I think, And I think Marvel is... I mean, you know, for lack of a better way to explain it, I mean, they're almost at that Star Wars level. Obviously, they don't have the 40-year the history behind it, but, like, it's a Star Wars movie. People are going to go see it. It's a Marvel movie. People are going to go see it. So, I mean, I, I don't... I, I agree. I don't think we need as much marketing as we've gotten. Um, but that's the beauty of the internet. You can be selective as to what you watch. So yeah, and then the I mean the counterpoint to that is after the two <laughs> snooze snoozers of a movie we've gotten in the Thor uh, franchise so far, you know I think Ragnarok is the one exception. They might have to go overboard a little yeah. bit, um, just because especially after coming off the Dark World, everyone's like ah. You know, I've seen a lot of people share that it's hard to get excited about a Thor movie, and the Ragnarok trailer that dropped last night completely changed their mind. So I think for Ragnarok, it's at least the one exception. You know? Yeah, I see that. I love that. I love. I love that Mr. Sunday Movies calls it Thor the Second Thor, and ever since because it's so yeah. forgettable, and yep. every ever since I heard that, that's all I've called it. So I've had to like rein back when I'm writing articles. About it because it came up one time, and I started to type Thor, the second Thor, and I was like, "Oh, that that movie actually had a title." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think um, it is interesting. We talked about Star Wars and Marvel. I think it's interesting that Disney ended their show at D twenty three with Marvel and not Star Wars. That's a big deal. I think that says that Disney sees it as a bigger brand for them right now. So. Speaking of which, Infinity War, last night they saw the D23 footage again, uh, which on the internet we've still not seen at all. Uh, uh, Marvel is starting to... They've got to be careful, man. they got to start ticking people off. Like, I get that you want to have these big exclusive events, but leaving the rest of us out is kind of poopy. I was so disappointed last night when that trailer didn't drop. It was just... Ugh. The only thing I can think is they didn't want it to eat into Thor Ragnarok's like clicks or views on YouTube, right? So you give it a few days. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so the only really new thing last night is they finished out this three-part poster that they've been doing at um, 
uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. It's a great big poster that shows all the different characters. We saw the third bit today, which has uh, Bearded Cap and uh, Scarlet Witch, or Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Johansson as uh, Black Widow. That's two weeks in a row I've done that one. Um, it's not the one you saw last night. The one you saw last night was really fake. The one that came out today is real. Um, <laughs> any thoughts about those posters, guys? It's the last San Diego thing we've got, so... Um, yeah, I love, I, I have all sorts of prints, um, and I love how they connect, especially these three. Um, you know, of course, uh, we got Cap, we got Black Widow, we got, um, I was just reading James Gunn posted an explanation on Groot on Facebook, and we got a better look at, as what James Gunn calls him, adolescent Groot. Not teen Groot, um, but adolescent Groot. And it looks like somewhere among the cosmos they took him to get his haircut. Um, <laughs> Post-Guardians 2 post credit scene. Um, but yeah, the hype is real for Infinity War. I'm very surprised they didn't release the footage. Um, with especially how much everyone's talking about it. Um, so I wonder if... I mean, I haven't seen anything where it said that the the FX were um, not complete or something, you know. Um, so that's what's. But that's curious. the beauty of doing um, it that way, though, is if you only let people see it once, they don't have time to freeze frame it and catch mistakes and stuff, you know. Yeah. True. So um, yeah, of course, it's a bummer that we haven't seen. Um, the Infinity War trailer, um, but I think that's going to make it all the much sweeter uh, when we finally do see it. Whenever it may be at this point, it could be at Ragnarok. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of bracing for the long haul on that one at this point, which is fine, I guess. The one thing I liked in the poster I saw, somebody else pointed this out to me, uh, Cap is clearly wearing like an old suit, maybe one of his old stealth suits, and like you can see where he's like ripped off like the Captain America like insignia and stuff on it. And I just think that's a really cool detail. You know, this idea of like, he's so distraught about what has happened that he's kind of ripped off the, the symbolism of his old life. And it shows me that they're actually going to pick up civil war and like have it have effects in this movie instead of just being like, Oh yeah, we did that last movie, whatever. Um, that's important to me. I feel like the accords have not been enough sort of followed up on and all this stuff. Yeah, which that that's kind of because I know there was some discussion among the uh, the our co-writers about like the like did Spidey sign the accords and did what Stark did with the fairy? Does that is that you know jive with the the Sokovia accords and things like that? And um, that's nice to know that that falling out, um, even though like a lot of people were just not happy with the fact that like Rogers wrote that letter to Tony. They were like, oh well, he's just like making sure everything's okay between him. I didn't think so. I thought that was a, or like a, a very cap thing to do. I don't think that I would have done that personally, but it's nice to see that like, the stakes are, are really, you know, high for that. And like that did have a ripple effect. I mean, he's wearing black for pity's sakes. So that's, that's different. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'd really like to see him have like a, like an all silver vibranium shield as opposed to the energy shield. But because I think it would look really cool with the black, but we'll see. He'll have something. Yeah, he can steal Phil Coulson's energy shield, right? Because Coulson's got that thing in Agents That'd of Shield. Awesome. So. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, let's. Uh, we're gonna wrap up. Um, here, here's the deal with the mailbag. We talked about Iron Fist last week, and a lot of people felt the need to chime in about Iron Fist. I am personally tired of talking about Iron Fist. It's just so. I don't know. I, we get it. You didn't like Iron Fist. Adam likes Iron Fist. Okay. I mean, most of our most of our commenters were pretty good, but I just that kind of artificial fight is getting annoying. So I don't want to talk about it too much. I don't want to read all the t- comments about it, but because it has been hyped, um, Ryan, we would like to give you the floor for you to tell us your true feelings on Iron Fist in just a few moments. Uh, not in a few, like you can do it now, but if you can give us a minute or two about your true feelings on Iron Fist, <laughs> and then we might officially close the book on Iron Fist on this podcast. Uh, so, um, all right, I'm gonna preface this by saying any and all opinions voiced are my own, and that's okay. If you disagree, that's awesome because they're solely those of Ryan and not those of the MCU Exchange podcast. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm about to unload, guys. Um, no, honestly, like. If you loved Iron Fist, that's great. It's just, it just wasn't for me. Um, putting it as, as lightly as I can, I watched four episodes, and when <laughs> when um, I actually got tapped to write the first two reviews for um, for the site for the first two episodes of Iron Fist, um, and after the first episode, it like if I, I was watching the first episode and it felt like I was doing homework. Like I literally took a break from doing homework to do that because I was like oh it'll feel like a break from homework and it just felt like homework <laughs> um it didn't grab me so homework felt like a break from Iron yeah, Fist yeah <laughs> you can quote me on that one um homework feels like a break from watching Iron Fist thanks Scott Buck but um so we did so I did that then I watched the second episode and I was really trying to like it because I don't want to go into something with like a preconceived notion that this is going to suck because if you do that then it's going to suck but um it really didn't grab me and I finished the first four episodes, and at that point, I, I it, it was like the beginning or the middle of the semester, and so I was busy with other stuff, so I was like, oh, I'm not going to finish it. Defenders trailer drops, right, during Comic-Con, and um, I was so excited that I was like, well, maybe I'll try to watch another episode. So I watched like another 15 minutes and just got bored, tired, and pissed off, and I turned it off. Um... It just it just didn't grab me. And I know that like one of my buddies is telling me that like you, you really have to make it like past episode six or something like that and that's where it gets really good. But for me, like it's difficult personally for me to put in like six hours to get another six hours of payoff because sometimes you have homework. So Alright. That's that's good, man. And with that, I uh, I declare Iron Fist discussions over for at least a period of time here on the podcast. Until we read the comments. We know section. a lot of you don't like it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you again, if you do like it, that's 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 awesome. I'm glad he gets a, a season two, and um, you know, I'll eventually try to probably go back and, and watch it if I you know have some downtime and leading up to season two. Hopefully, that'll be great. But you know, I don't want anything to suck. But if it does suck, I'm not going to be afraid to say that it, I thought it did. So. You know, and I feel like we've kind of got, and we're going to, I think in humans is going to be the same way. I feel like it's overly polarized. Like, I feel like there are some people that are like, you have to trash this show. And if you don't trash this show, you're an idiot. <laughs> and then there's other people that are like, no, it's a really great show. And if you're trashing it, it's just because you're being overly negative. And it's like, 
there's other options, you know, like for me, it's extremely mediocre. So that's yeah, it's okay. It's not life or death. It's a TV show. It's a TV show. That was going to be my closing point. You beat me to it. It's a TV show. So thanks for the interactions, guys. Thanks for keeping it relatively civil. But yeah, I think we're done talking about Iron Fist for a while. All right. Uh, Philip Wilson on the website also asked if Loki and Ronan and the other might be Thanos' children as well. Uh, I think they're similar in that they're pawns of Thanos, but I don't think they're actually like adopted by him. I think the idea with the Black Order is that they're actually like lived with him for a period of time like... Um, uh, Gamora and um, Nebula. So that's screaming for an infographic: the children of Thanos versus the uh, what did you call them? Oh, uh, well, I talked about the Black Order, but yeah, like Thanos's children versus like his other yeah, lackeys and that's stuff. Boom! There you go. We should do an infographic. Um, Ed on Twitter had a question that he he directed just to Adam. So Adam, uh, I'll let you answer it. Uh, did it seem weird to you that we didn't get an Avengers four title this weekend at San Diego? Uh, not to me. I know some people were expecting it. Um, for whatever reason, I don't think I was expecting it. I was expecting, um, the Infinity War trailer to drop. Um, but I would guess, I can't think, um, off the top of my head of what 4 could be called. Um, that's so spoilery. Um, you know, thinking of Infinity Gauntlet and War and, and all that stuff. I mean, the... I can't think of anything what's what's holding them back. Um, you know, when are we going to find out? Are we not going to find out until a post-credits logo in Infinity War? Um, I guess I just... I, I don't know what it could be called. Is it going to be Avengers Fantastic Four <laughs> or something? You know, I really don't... Don't get I Ryan's don't hopes know. up, man. That's that's cruel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it could be called. You know, we have Infinity War. I mean, unless it's, I can't think for the life of me. I can't think of anything that it could be called that's so spoilery. Um, if you have any ideas, tweet us or comment or something. But I really can't think of anything that's so that would ruin the Infinity War experience. Yeah, I mean, because Brolin also commenting on a lot of those d23 interviews he was saying that like someone directly asked him like oh well does thanos get all six stones and he was like i don't know i haven't read the second one so either he's like lying he could just be lying but um i mean it sounds like this honestly like is going to be a big build up towards the major conflict like this doesn't seem to me like main event time it seems like we're going to lead up to the main event and then once he gets those stones then we had the fight night, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't really know. Not that it's going to be underwhelming, I think, in any aspect, but I think people need to brace for that, that it's kind of going to be a lead-up because it is one half of a story. Uh, yeah, I think the two titles that would be a little spoilery would be Secret Wars, you know, Avengers Secret Wars, because, like, Thanos is recreating reality, uh, or Avengers Secret Invasion, now that we know that the scrolls are definitely coming. Uh, maybe we find out some of our heroes are scrolls at the end of Infinity War. Um, so that uh, somebody also suggested Avengers Heroes Reborn, that they'd be kind of redoing that. Uh, I kind of had a feature about that about a year ago, so I could see that being one as well. Um, yeah, that's definitely in the in the I mean realm of possibility at this point. So yeah, I think those would do it. I do think what's going to happen is that it's going to be a black screen. They're going to finish the credits, and then it's going to say, the Avengers will return in and give us the title then. 
Because if it's really that much of a spoiler, they will not let us know until that happens. Which means it'll hit Tuesday or Wednesday on the internet before that movie comes out because people are jerks. So, yeah, that's that's probably what it'll be. Uh, finally, on Facebook, we had a comment from Charlie, and he said, Maintenant, on aimerait bien le voir aussi nous autres à travers le monde, s'il vous plaît. Which I think means, hey, we all want to see that trailer, you jerks at Marvel, so let us see it. It's a little more polite than that, but I put it through Google Translate, and that's basically what it means. So Nice. Yeah, I'm with you, Charlie. <laughs> I thought you were fluent that's... in French or whatever that was. Uh, it was French, and I did take French in high school. Uh, if my pronunciation nice. was terrible, so, please yes. don't comment. If it was good, please compliment. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise he's fluent. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that does it. This episode's going to be really long. Uh, anything else that you had to say before we go off? I did want you brought up one point, and we can do a light, quick lightning round. You said that some of the Avengers would be revealed as scrolls. If you could choose one or two of them, who would they be? Oh. Uh, let's make Iron Fist a scroll. That's not what you asked. But that would be good. Um, Fair enough. Uh, let's see. I said um, we weren't going to talk about Iron Fist anymore. I'm sorry. Um, oh, that's a good question. Maybe we mm. could uh, we could push it to next week too. I didn't mean to do no, that. No, that's good. It just be it just be an yeah, interesting. Yeah, this is interesting. This is interesting. Um, dang, it's it's kind of difficult because like you you've seen see. This is the film school coming at me. The only thing that would be difficult to say, like an Avenger was a scroll all this time, is that you'd have to explain that downtime and when it happened, right? Because like people aren't just gonna accept, oh, like Captain America was a scroll ever since Civil War started because he went rogue and did things that Cap doesn't normally do. So like they'd have to explain things like that. And the thing is, is that a lot of the main characters we've just seen a lot of over the past couple years so it's really difficult to say and I don't want them to do something like just throwing in like maybe Hawkeye or maybe um, you know Scarlet Witch or these characters that we haven't had as much time to develop with um, but from a story standpoint they would have to do someone like that unless they just really found a way to work out when the scroll invasion happened and why we didn't see the consequences of that sooner. Yeah, the only one I think that makes any sense is Bucky I think you could suggest that um, Hydra doesn't get Bucky when he falls off the plane. They get a scroll and that he's been frozen somewhere in Austria or somebody else had the real Bucky. I don't think I want that. I just think it's the only one that'll make any sense. Does that make sense? And I, I still don't even think that makes that much sense. Like, I'm sure they can retcon it, but it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think that's. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't see much of the rest of it making sense. Um, I don't know. Maybe Everett Ross, depending on how they develop him. But I, not none of it. This is what nice. I'm worried about. This like this is why I'm worried about that as a storyline because <laughs> I don't think any of it makes any sense. So yeah. Okay. And again, I think they may like learn from like Logan. I was saying this in, a, in talking to some other friends. Like I think Logan showed this year that self-contained stories are not a bad thing. Absolutely. And I really want, you know, Marvel to, to learn from that in the MCU and maybe having, you know, Danvers take on the scrolls would be a really cool one-off story, you know, and maybe so like, you don't have to have everything interconnected because that's the, that's the main gripe that people have, right? They're either, they're polarized. They're either like, 
oh, well, that was way too connected. You don't have to mention Tony Stark every movie. Or, well, why didn't the Avengers show up to help Cap at the Triskelion during Winter Soldier? So, like, I feel like that would be a good balance. Like, maybe you have a self-contained scroll storyline, and then you leave it, and then maybe have the Kree scroll war show up sometime later. You know, yeah. I don't know. It just depends on how they want to swing it. Yeah, I agree. One of my big things, I want what-if movies. You know, like, or elsewhere stuff, or like, uh, I've said a million times this podcast, a 1602 movie, I think would be awesome. You know, like, I want to see those unusual storylines, because then you could see other actors in the roles, and you wouldn't have to worry about continuity and all that kind of stuff, so. So, Adam and Ryan, uh, go ahead and tell them where you can, we can find you on the internet. I am online, Twitter, at Adam Barnhart, B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T. And I am also on Twitter at P underscore Ryan Parker. So, or you can just find me at the exchange and I have a couple links to some of my socials and, uh, yeah, let's talk. I'm at Caleb A. Borchers, C-A-L-E-B-A-B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. And Rhiannon, who was on the podcast, is at Shot of Patron. She had a lot of great stuff on social media at San Diego, so definitely check that out. Also, feel free to talk to Caleb on Twitter, but don't follow him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that message has already gotten out, I believe. I got a new follower this week. Oh, I, I should have looked up his name. A new follower that then listened to like a bunch <laughs> of podcasts in the back the backlog. Welcome on board. Happy to have you. Uh, we should say welcome to our new listeners. Last week... Um, Last week, we had literally a 50% increase from our biggest previous week. So there are a ton nice. of you who are new. Hey. Welcome on board. We're glad you're here for the show. Hopefully, you'll uh, stick around after all this San Diego Comic-Con stuff dies down. But uh, we love doing the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you want to uh, like us, uh, like the posts on SoundCloud or on Facebook or retweet us on Twitter, uh, send us messages via hashtag MCUXPod. That's M-C-U-E-X-P-O-D. You can also go to iTunes, give us a five-star review. That's really good for us. Or just tell your friends about the podcast. That's really helpful as well. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. We're exhausted. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week for more of your Marvel news. Talk to you later. Bye.